Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. That work? Ha! You say, oh, they got everything they need. Oh, man, I don't know if I have time. Man, I don't know if I want to offend them. I'll just do my little jig while I get this going. <laughs> At least I didn't turn around and do it. You say, oh, they got everything they need. They don't need me to do any of that. You know what? I don't want to offend them because they, they might get upset. And for the record, I have had people say, why are you even coming to me? Why are you talking to me? And once you say, because we want to serve you, they go, oh. And they feel kind of, I can't believe I did that. Never have I ever gotten, I don't need you, get away. They're like, oh, you want to be nice? However, we come up with all these excuses like they didn't come help last time we needed help, so why should I go help them? I, I would never think that but some people would. Okay, maybe I have a time or two. But you see, these excuses, as we have learned over our reasons, whatever you want to call them, as we've learned over the last few weeks, you already know this, but they really don't matter. They're excuses or reasons, if that makes you feel better. We can come up with anything we want to, and we are never short of reasons why I should not do something. I should not do it. However, what you need to understand today, as we're going to jump in in a few minutes of how in the world serving changes me, I know that when I go serve somebody, they see the love of Christ, and they understand, and they get to see who he is, and I understand that changes them because now they're feeling important, and they realize somebody does love them. I get that. But what we're going to touch on today is, how does it change me? How is me showing up at 8.30 or 9 o'clock next Sunday morning going to change me? Because that sounds kind of selfish. And we can look at it as selfish. However, the fact of the matter is, it does change me. Because we know, when it all comes down to it, when we're serving, our goal is to show other people what? Love. Period. Do you know what service is? It's acting out love. Now, if you look in Scripture, serving changed throughout Scripture. In the Old Testament, it changed. Serving changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. In the Old Testament, everything, when it came to serving, when it came to everything in regards to my relationship with God, came to what you did and how you did it very specifically. But then the New Testament came. And the New Testament said, it's all about love and your heart. It's all about your reasons for doing it, not exactly what I'm doing. It's all about love. In fact, the greatest commandment, love all people. I'll put it in simplest forms. When the greatest commandment is love all people, that's hard when you don't want to serve them. Because serving is loving. And it's an amazing thing when we look at serving and how it changes us. And we wonder, how does serving change me? Let me put it in simplest form for you. And then we'll dive into scripture here in a few minutes. And I'll give you an example. But the simplest form of how serving changes me. When I serve somebody, I grow in love towards that person. Agree with that? When I grow in love, it makes me want to do what? Serve. 
When I serve, I grow in love. When I grow in love, I want to serve. And it's a vicious cycle that goes round and round and round and round. And pretty soon I'm serving more, which makes me love more, which makes me serve more, which makes me love more, which is what Christ was talking about in the New Testament all the way through. And we look at it, and again, we might go, so if I serve, then I'm going to be better? Yeah. My relationship with Christ gets better? Yeah. How? Because I'm doing exactly what he's telling me to do by loving all people. And sometimes you say, but I don't want to serve. And if I really wanted to go this route, sometimes I do, I would say, oh, so you don't want to love people. No, I didn't say that. I said I didn't want to serve. Uh Uh-huh. Kind of get caught up in those excuses versus, do I want to love them? Do I want to grow? Do I want to change? Do I want to stay the way I am? Do I want to become more of a disciple? Where am I at here? No, I want to be a disciple, but I don't want to serve. Wait a minute. I want to serve. I just can't today. I'm hungry. We'll get to that later. But as we look at it, and as we understand, we, we see through these excuses that we come up with, reasons why I can't, reasons why I'm not sure I do want to grow, reasons why I'm not sure I, I do want to love these people. I, I want to love them, but I don't want to serve, and I know this is a cycle, and you know what? I, I can't right now. A lot of times it comes down to this. I don't want to do this because I can't see what the outcome really is. Let me give you an example. A few years ago, a friend of mine was asked in our church if he would stand up in front of the congregation. And you got to understand this guy has a past. He's been in jail. He's had a few marriages. He's... um, actually went to jail for lack of paying child support. And he, anyways, long story, but I'll I'll cut to the chase. He was asked if he now remarried with children would stand up and talk to the church about the fact that he was no longer going to be what we called a runner at the time and run away from his family. We were talking about um, marriage relationships and parenting and being the man God wanted you to be. And he said, I'll have to pray about it. And he prayed about it, and he came back, and he said, yeah, I'll do it. But I'm scared to death, and I don't understand what's going on. Why do I have to do this? And then he started writing it out. And he came back to me, and he said, I get it. I understand why I'm supposed to do it, I think. I think I'm supposed to encourage people to quit leaving the church when their marriage goes bad and to get them to understand and to see that we're a family and that we can support and encourage. It's a great. But something happened that Sunday morning when he got up and spoke. I just talked to him a couple weeks ago. He's a good friend of mine. He said, and we had talked about it before, but I wanted him to reiterate it for me. He said, you know, what I found out was me speaking that day, me serving the congregation, me telling people to learn from my mistakes. He said, I learned from my mistakes And God had me do that that day because he wanted me to see that now I have a church family who I am accountable to because they now know and they heard me say, I will not leave my family. He said, the other thing that came out of it is is there's three guys that I talk to on a weekly basis who still ask me five years later, are you keeping your head in the game? 
Are you doing everything you're supposed to do? Are your decisions you're making right? Yeah, I know it gets tough, but are you? He said, little did I know how much that was going to benefit me by standing up in front of the church that day. He said, if I wouldn't have put my faith and trust in Christ, where would I be today? See, when we serve, not only do we grow in love, not only do we grow in trust, but we get changed in our relationship with Christ to the point that we can see then what he's doing in ourselves. We may go serve somebody next week and never see him again. But I'll tell you what, you will not be the same person after you do it. Because Christ will be working in and through you. Let me give you an example. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 14 today. We're going to look at 20 verses, or actually 21 verses. Verse 12 through 33 is what we're going to look at. And it's the feeding of the 5,000 for those of you who already know. But uh, I want to look at it from a little different vantage point today. Because growing up in the church, we've always looked at what Jesus did. We always looked at the miracles he performed, and he did a lot through this passage, which we'll touch on. But I also want to talk about what happened with the disciples. For instance, start at verse 12, and we'll go ahead and we'll dive on into it. Matthew 14, verse 12. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat, privately to a solitary place. Okay, John, John is John the Baptist, and John the Baptist was repeatedly, this is just a little background, was repeatedly preaching against Herod to all these people because Herod married his brother's wife, and his brother was still alive, and that was illegal at the time, and all this stuff going down. And Herod said, stop, don't do it anymore. He kept preaching, and between Herod and his wife, they got John the Baptist beheaded and he died. And John was Jesus' cousin. Jesus was mourning. He was sad. He was hurting. And he went by himself away to a solitary place so he could pray, so he could be with God, and so he could heal his hurting heart. The interesting part as we move on, verse 13 or verse 14. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, these people that Jesus saw followed him. They knew he was by himself. They knew he got away by himself. And they walked around the lake, the water, till they could get to him. Talk about lack of compassion. We need you and we need you now. We don't care how much you're hurting. We want you to do what we want you to do now. Jesus seeing them said, I'll have compassion on you. Come on. We'll, we'll heal your sick. We'll go ahead and start. So that afternoon, he started healing them. He started working through them. As evening approached, verse 15, as, easy, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to their villages and buy themselves something to eat. They heard, or excuse me, buy themselves something to eat. In other words, healing of all of these people wasn't good enough. 
You need to go send them away so they can get something to eat. And by the way, we're hungry. Some people call it hangry. Hangry. A state of anger caused by lack of food, hunger causing a negative change in an emotional state. How many of you have ever been hangry? I get hangry often. I like to say it's lack of blood sugar. My family just says it's mean. When I get too hungry, I lose all control of my emotional state. I can tell myself, and and I mean this wholeheartedly, I can tell myself, you're getting hungry, you don't have food right now, do not get upset. You'll be okay. And within five minutes, I'm ticked off. My wife will say, eat something, and I'll be normal again, which I don't know if normal is always good either. However, these disciples, I get it. They were hangry. They wanted their own food, and they can say all they want. We have all these people, but I didn't hear them going, here, let's take what we have and let's give it to them, and we'll go get some to eat. He said, send them away. Get them out of here. And again, I'd love to say that I would say it differently, but I don't think that's really what I or any of us would have done. But here's where it starts to turn. This is where this passage just starts. Jesus almost turned it upside down for the first time. Jesus replied to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now, if I was a disciple at that time, again, I'd love to say I would have responded differently. But Jesus looks at them and he says, you give them something to eat. I would love to see the look on the disciples' face at this time. Because they just told them everything they could. You send them away. There's there's nothing here. Get them out of here. Send them home. Do something. I mean, by all means, Jesus, we just saw you make that man walk, and that one can see, and that one can now hear, but there's no way you can do anything else. Get him out of here. I can see Jesus looking at him going, really? Really? You're coming to me? You just saw all these people come to me as I was sitting there crying and mourning the loss of my cousin, and you saw me get up and come to them? And heal them? Did you learn nothing? That's straight out of Aaron International Version. But I I can't see Jesus just looking at him. It was either that or he was laughing at him. Really? That's what you got? Send him away? Jesus looks at him and says, you give him something to eat. Verse 17. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Remember the reasons, I mean excuses, I mean reasons we talked about earlier? Here it is. I mean, you're only Jesus. You tell us who you are and we're following you wherever you go, but what are you going to do? Verse 18. Bring them here to me, he said. Bring them here to me, he said. Do you think at this point they were wondering, 
oh yeah, this is Jesus and we just look stupid. Do you think that might have been running through your mind? Do you think they were really, really looking at him and really thinking, whatever, here. What are you going to do, give it to them? I think they had something going on inside their head that made them feel so uncomfortable and they couldn't figure out what he was going to do and they were partly scared because this was the guy that was just healing people and this was the guy that does everything right. And uh, what's right now? What am I supposed to do? Um, um, Jesus? And then they really got scared because in verse 19, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. Let me set this up for you. 5,000 people plus women and children. So 10,000, 11, 12, five loaves of bread, two fish. Jesus is standing in front of him. Remember, Jesus is the rock star. Everybody's eyes are on him. He's healing people right and left. They're trying to get up to him. They're, all they want to do is hear this guy and crown him king. He's talking. Now remember, no microphones, no sound system. Boom, they were doing everything they could to get as close to this guy as they can, just to touch him, just to hear him. And Jesus looks at his disciples and says, come here. They walk in. And this is what I'm seeing. They walk up, and all of a sudden, now your disciples are standing there, and I know what's going through their mind, because it'd be what's going through my mind. Are they looking at me? Why are all these people looking at me? They're hungry. They want food. But yet, we only have five loaves and two fish. What's Jesus going to do? Please don't, please don't. He's going to ask me to do something. Uh Uh-oh, he's praying. Are they leaving, or are they watching me? What are they doing? And then it happened. Jesus looks at them, gave thanks, broke the loaves, and then the disciples' worst fear happened. He set it in their hands and said, give it to the people. Not only are they broke out into a cold sweat and probably shaking at this point, but now they have to turn around, face all these people, and open their hands with the food in it. But the food didn't quit coming out of their hands. And I know they were amazed, but you think there was any part of them that went, Oh, I missed it again. Look what he just did. Verse 20, they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Do you think they really took credit for what just happened? When the people came up and said, thank you, do you think the disciples, this is just in my mind, went, no problem, here to serve? Or did they go, ah, I got nothing. He did it. I don't know what to tell you. Because, man, it sure would be easy to go, here to do whatever you need. They had 12 basketfuls left over. They had more left over than they started with. 
And they just fed who knows how many thousands of people. And Jesus is going, okay. Verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. 23. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. This is important, and it's a side note, but Jesus just fed 5,000 men plus women and children. He had healed the sick. He had taught the disciples a lesson. He was probably a little exhausted. Because remember, this whole thing started with him crying his eyes out because of his cousin. And he said, you guys go. I need to go make sure I'm right with my heavenly father. I need to make sure that I am re-energized by dad. Go on. I'll catch up with you later. Verse 24. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Go ahead and go to the, the next slide. We're talking deadliest catch storm here. These guys were trained. They were fishermen. They knew what they were doing. They have every single time they got in that boat, all they did was row. They went right where they wanted to go. It's not like it would be... 10 or 12 of us jumping in a boat and going willy-nilly trying to figure out what each other's doing. These guys did it together. They knew what was going on. But they could not move because the storm was so bad. Next one. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went to them walking on the lake. Shortly before dawn, do you understand what that means? That means not only did Jesus go and pray all by himself, because remember, The meal was dinner the night before. Not only did Jesus go pray by himself all night long, but the disciples were rowing all night long. They were tired. They were frustrated. They were flat out ticked off. 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. They were flat out terrified. They thought it was a ghost because by all means, it couldn't be Jesus who said, I'll catch up with you later. It could not be the man that healed all the people, that fed thousands of people right in front of our eyes eight hours ago. We forgot about that. It can't be him. It's got to be a ghost. Because Jesus certainly wouldn't do what he said he was going to do. Not this time, just every other time. I mean, come on. These guys were scared of it. But then, immediately after that, Jesus looked up. Go to the next verse. Or excuse me, I'm sorry. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't. Be afraid. And right then, like a light bulb came on, one of the disciples got it. One. Who was it? Peter. The man who betrayed Christ three times later on in life. The man who was so emotional and couldn't, didn't always do the right thing. 
but, but he wanted to. The man who looked up and in his mind went, oh yeah, that lesson he taught us earlier when all those people were watching me and I had that fish and that bread in my hand, when all those people were staring at me and I was scared to death and I didn't know what to do and I had all these reasons why I should just walk away and I turned around and that he made all that bread and I couldn't believe And uh, Could it really be him? It's got to be him. It's him. He just said, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. This right here is something you have to learn. You have to understand. Because serving is incredible. Serving is awesome. Doing things in the name of the Lord is stuff we're supposed to do. But when we get a wild hair that says, go start a church. Go do a Bible study. Go lead this. Go lead that. Go paint these people's house. Go do this. You have to understand what Peter did here. Because I wouldn't have if I was Peter. I'll tell you what, if I stand in that boat and I look out and Jesus is out there walking on water and I know that I can do everything through him because I remember everything he taught me that night, my leg's up on the top of that boat and I'm gone. But Peter stopped. And I have a feeling he had one leg up and was ready to launch. And he went, wait a minute. Walking on that water would be cool. And going to Jesus would be awesome. But he hasn't told me to yet. And if he hasn't told me to do it, then I'm not doing what he's asking. And Peter, in that moment, while all the other disciples were back here scared, looked up and said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come on that water. And Jesus said, come. Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water. Now, if you don't believe that the Bible might be true, I can really see how these last couple verses would make you go, really, he walked on the water? And I get that. But if If that's where you're at, do me a favor and learn the lesson. The lesson that Peter taught us. Ask. And we don't want to. You know why? Because Jesus might say yes and he might say no. And we know what we want. We know the direction we want to go. We know whether we want to serve and grow in love and serve and grow in love. And sometimes we're afraid if we ask, Jesus might say, hmm, that's not for you. I got something else for you. The other side of that is sometimes we don't want to ask because you know, we know he's going to say, uh-huh, go. And I can't even stand up here and list all the ways that it's possible that you might be called to serve. It could be from something as easy as saying hi to someone, to building a house, to going to Africa, to starting a Bible study, to taking somebody out to coffee. But that's out of my comfort zone. I get it. That's why we ask the question. Because next, verse 30, but when he saw the wind, when he saw the excuse, 
when he saw the reason he couldn't do it, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Lord, I've got all these things and reasons that I know it won't work. I get it. I know it won't. And I can't see what you're going to do. Going back to my friend, I can't see you're going to be having accountability partners for the rest of my life. I can't see how you're going to help me. All I can see is the disaster. All I can see is how it won't work. All I can see is the reasons why this won't happen. For instance, next Sunday, all I can see is people figuring out that they don't need to go to church because the church will come to me. Uh Uh-huh is what Jesus says. I know all your reasons. I know all your excuses. You say, Lord, save me. And look what Jesus said. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Translation, come on, man. You knew it was me. What's your deal? Really? Let's recap. We healed people. We made multiples of food. You just saw me walk on water. You walked on water. And then you weren't sure? Huh. Again, would like to say I wouldn't do it. But I could come up with excuses with the best of them. How about you? Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat... The wind died down. Look at this last verse. Next one. This is my favorite one. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him. Then those in the boat worshipped him? Saying, truly you are the Son of God. Ah, that's what it took. Peter sinking in there. It took Peter doing something for everybody else to believe who Jesus was. Jesus couldn't do it. Kind of says something about it, doesn't it? Like maybe when we serve people and show them love, all of a sudden they start seeing who Jesus really is. They start seeing and understanding who Jesus really is. You know, next week we're doing something quite interesting. Something very unconventional. And I'm going to tell you, last year, when we brought it up, it was a huge leap of faith. Because I'm going to tell you, it sounds pretty crazy to say that a church has a problem with serving. But there's a lot of people and I'm not saying this congregation, I'm just talking people in general. There's a lot of people in general that cannot understand being the church instead of going to church one Sunday out of the year. No, people need to come to church. We can't work on Sunday. And I got to tell you, um, I've had this conversation with many people in I don't think it's been anybody in this room that I've had to say it to because you guys have understood. But over the years, I've had the conversation with people say, we can't do it on Sunday because we can't work. You don't believe we should work on Sunday? No. Should we serve on Sunday? No, because servings work. Okay, I'm sorry, but you disagree with that. No, I don't, Aaron. Then why do you pay me to every Sunday morning? 
Okay, you got a point. Because when we serve, we grow. And last, last year, this huge leap of faith that I didn't know how many we were going to have. Cliff didn't know how many we were going to have. Bill didn't know how many we were going to have. And I went around town, and I got these places. I'd go door to door. How much are you going to charge me? Nothing. We want to serve you. Why? Because we thought you might need help. Why well, don't go to your church? That's not an expectation. If you want to come, come. But that's not an expectation. You don't even, we're doing a meal afterwards. You're welcome to it. You don't even have to come to that. Oh, I don't get this. Okay. But yeah, you can come. Okay. I got that time and time again. And I got to tell you, come that Sunday morning, I was sweating and wondering, and 225 of you showed up. And do you know what I got? We need to do this more often. And I went, amen. But see, there was a problem. The problem is, and it, it, do not hear this as a plea for money. Listen to the whole story. The problem is because we didn't have regular church service, our giving was down $7,000 that month. We did not make up $7,000 by the end of the year. And for a church board, that's hard. Because here's the deal. We have our budgets accounted for. And we were short considerably. Let me, when I say considerably, let me tell you, that's just under the entire youth budget that I have. And we looked at it, and we had discussion last year. But then we had to have another discussion about three months ago. What are we going to do? It's coming up. Do we do service Sunday again? Because last year was great. It was incredible. And there's still people talking about it. I have people talk to me about it in stores, at the nursing homes. What are we going to do? In fact, one person said, and I, I'm not calling them out. I'm saying I think everybody in the room felt the same thing. If you would have told me this was going to cost us $7,000, we would have had to really think about it. But now after doing it and understanding that that's how much we didn't have, I don't see how we can't. It's worth it. I tell you that because our church board stretched themselves and said, yes, we need to do this again. We prayed about it for a month. We came back and said, we're doing it. And a few days later, after the announcement was made, we received a check in the mail from somebody who does not go to this church, somebody who has not given to this church. They are not part of the regular tithers for $24,000 above and beyond. Because a church board said, we'll do what we know how to do. But Jesus, you better do the rest. Because you're telling us I look back at the disciples, and all Jesus told them was, you do what you know how to do. You give them food. I'll take care of the rest. You do what you know how to do. Yeah, I know. 
I know you don't have enough. This is what Jesus says. I know you're incapable. Remember, I'm kind of close to the guy who created you. I know you. I know what you can and can't do. I know you're in a storm. I know you're hangry. I get it. But here's the deal. You do what you know how to do. I'll take care of the rest. Don't you worry about it. In the end, you'll look back and go, wow, look what Jesus did for those people. Ooh, I think I trust him more. I think I get him more. I think that muscle I have that nobody really realizes they have, it's called the faith muscle, just got bigger. It's pretty sore because I worked it pretty hard, but it's bigger. And not only are these people I'm serving getting something, but man, Jesus did a work in me in that thing. And I think I'm more like him, and I think I trust him more, and I think I get him more because... I did what I knew how to do, and he did the rest. Next Sunday, you're going to be here, and we're going to meet at 8.30 in that room. There will be donuts and coffee and juice and all that fun stuff. Nine o'clock is when it officially starts. We're going to be in this room, and we're going to introduce you to the job site leaders, and we're going to have addresses for you sitting out by the papers. You'll be set. You'll be ready to go. And I'm going to ask you to do something for me. I'm going to ask you to pray. And this is a side note. I'll continue on in a second. I'm going to ask you to pray because we got a call last night from somebody who said, you know what? I'm just not sure I feel right in this. Um, I don't, I don't know if I need it. Well, we're kind of pushing that person a little bit. Yeah, maybe you don't need it, but we'd still like to come help. So keep that in your prayers because it is hard to watch people come. They appreciate the love, but it's also a reminder of what they can't do. So keep that in your prayers. However, you're going to come next week and we're going to meet in here and then we're going to take off. And by 9.30, we're going to be at our job sites and we're going to be working. We're going to be loving on each other. You're going to have ages our age group, people of all ages at your job site. Last year, there were 18 people on my job site, and somebody said, 18, that's a lot. Uh Uh-huh, they were from 6 to 56 on my job site. So it's not like it's it's hardcore work. We're going to be loving on each other and loving on people, and we're going to be getting our hands dirty while we do it. But out there on the table, well, let me say this. We'll be back here at, at 12... Cliff, did we say noon or noon 30 back here? Noon 30 back here because some of the job sites are in Minnesota. And there's going to be a meal made in here. We're going to come in here and we're going to eat together. We're going to talk about it. And then we're going to head on home. But here's the deal. Out there in that foyer, there's a table with a list of all the job sites on it. You come, you sign up. You decide. You can sign up today. If you don't sign up today, since we're a club, you can't participate. No, I'm just kidding. If you don't sign up today, come next week. And oh, by the way, I no offense to anybody, but somebody will ask me the question, can we invite friends who aren't Christians to come? If you ask me that, my answer will be no, because we like Jesus to ourselves. Yes, that's the point. As many people as we can, serving is what we're doing here. 
So if you don't sign up today, come next Sunday, sign up, bring stuff to work in the yard, rakes, weed eaters, whatnot. You'll see on those sheets that some of them say landscaping. That is code for working in the yard because I'm not going to define what each individual thing is. Mowing lawns, weeding, raking, trimming trees, whatever. Bring all the lawn tools you have, yard tools you have to do that stuff. You can choose to go up the, the beaches up by a Soden and clean the beaches. Cliff's in charge of that one. He'll have it all mapped out. You can pick up garbage. I think we took two or three truckloads of garbage just off the beaches on the Washington side last year to the dump on Monday. Um, you, If you are into painting fingers and toenails, you can go with Steph McCracken up to the nursing home, assisted living home, and they will have ladies there for two hours. You can paint toenails and fingernails. Guys, I know you're excited about that. If, if you are unable to, if you're sitting there right now and you're thinking, which I completely get and understand, Aaron, I can't do yard work. I can't do this. I can't do that. Is there, what else is there? We got you covered. Salvation Army wants 80 crisis care kits, and we will have a station set up in here. I know you may not be able to do much, but I think you can do this. Serving. We took them 65 last year, and they said, we'll take at least 80. If you can give us 100, we'll take 100. They said, it's amazing how fast those things go. See, what we are asking you to do, what I am asking you to do, is to do what you can do and let God do the rest. Period. Simple. In the process, we're going to grow closer to him. We're going to grow closer together. We're going to learn how to trust more. We're going to have more faith. Our hearts are going to get bigger, and we're going to be loving on people. And that looks so many different ways to so many different people. Let's just go wrap our arms around the community and say, this is who Jesus is. Can you see him? I hope so. Did that cover it all? Well, why don't you stand with me? But I'm going to ask you one more time, before I pray, what is it that Jesus is asking you to do? What is it that Jesus is trying to stretch you in? Where does it come down that you have to look up and go, seriously, that's my part. What are you going to do? And Jesus looks back and goes, let me worry about that. Because all he told the disciples, all he told Peter when Peter asked the question, was, you do your part. I got the rest. Father, I thank you for the fact that I don't have to have it all figured out. Father, I, can, I we can figure it out all the way down to the final say-so. But the problem is, this faith thing comes into play. And I got to believe that you are who you say you are. And I got to remember everything you've done in the past, not only in my life, but in other people's life around me. And I got to remember that you just say, you do what you know how to do and I'll do the rest. Father, I pray that you will help us remember that. Father, help us as we grab onto this community next week 
as we grab on to each other, as we serve each other, as we serve in the church, as we serve outside the church, that all I have to do is what I know how to do. Even if all that is, is opening my hands while you put breadcrumbs and a few bites of fish in them. And I turn around and you do the rest. Allow me, Father, the ability to serve you in that way. Allow us. Father, I thank you for your love for us and the fact that you will never fail us nor forsake us. We love you and praise you. Give us the weak like none other that blesses you the entire time. In that name we pray. Amen.